This is On Your Radar, a podcast series produced at WGN Radio with the staff at Rosecrans. In this podcast, we'll talk about young adults who need to find footing after a loss of structure. And we'll explain just what that means now with Carlene Cardosi, who returns to our podcast series as the regional president for Rosecrans. She's an LCSW and a CADC. Welcome back. Nice to see you, Carlene. Nice to see you, too. Thanks for having me. And also in our studios today is Kristen Hamblock, who is the Vice President of HR, of Human Resources at Rosecrans. Thanks for coming into our studios. Thank you so much. So let's just talk a little bit about the loss of structure. I guess everybody has gone through that, right, Carlene, in every stretch of the world. Absolutely. I mean, we. it's interesting to me how everybody has had to be nimble and flexible, even for those of us who might struggle with it. You know, the constant changes in the work environment not only affect the employees, but affect the family members, the clients that we serve, and ultimately our community. Yeah, right. And then it all breaks down. I mean, I guess we all struggle to keep the kids in our jobs and our personal lives in some sort of order. And then this filter that it goes through, the pandemic, just makes it not only stressful, but maybe it makes it unmanageable for some people. I mean, that's where you all come in, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that when you look at any studies right now that are talking about how people have been affected by the pandemic, you know, we see an increase in substance use across the nation. We see an increase in depression, increase in divorce rates, increase in isolation. Um, You know, and those are maybe for really well-adjusted people, a lot of those who might struggle with some of those um, symptoms or behaviors before a pandemic. So we, we are seeing it across all varieties and all lines of service. And the hard part is with our workforce as well. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. I mean, if if you're a frontline worker, which is traditionally police and fire and medical, but really during the pandemic, I think we've also identified as store clerks, as school teachers, as Amazon drivers, as Uber drivers. Uh, They've had to come into daily contact with people where before that would not have given them cause for concern. And now I presume it has. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there is clearly an added stress uh, regarding safety. Uh, You know, when we talk or read any studies, we can see that there's an increase of anxiety and stress for those who are parents and also those who are caregivers. And while I think in everyday life before a pandemic, parents were probably a little bit uh, stressed out, depending on how their kids or families were functioning. But right now, we see this as an added stress. And when you had asked the question earlier about stability, when you look across school systems, um, you know, schools being in session, out of session, learning virtually, that affects the family dynamic and the way in which people can go to work as well. I guess you deal with a lot of people in your job, Kristen, but boy, I would imagine school teachers would be the ones who have just had the most unbearable pressures put upon them. We don't employ any teachers directly with Rosecrans, but we contract with our local school districts to be able to provide services to the clients that are in residential treatment for us. And um, on a personal note, I know, know many teachers have struggled with the pandemic and continuing to 
um, provide services to their students. Yeah, just uh, let's just dwell on that for just a minute, and then we'll talk more about what you do. But uh, I think because the teachers really are trying to convey information, and when the environment in which they're going to convey it changes every day. Today it's in class. Tomorrow it's at home. Um, now it's a hybrid. Now it's neither because we're trying to figure it out. And as their work world and life gets batted about, they're mentally trying to prepare how to manage that. And it's just crushing for a lot of them. Every day is a new day and a new challenge, and you don't know what it's going to be when you wake up in the morning sometimes. And I, I think that goes for many, many jobs, teachers, nurses, doctors, counselors. It's it's a new day every day. Yeah. Uh, how does that impact you all at Rosecrans then? What, how does it affect you or what do you see in your job? Well, our, our staff give a lot of themselves to the clients so that they can have hope and achieve wellness in their lives. And because of that, it's equally important that our staff take care of themselves. Um, compassion fatigue and burnout are re- realities in any healthcare worker or any worker in particular. And the pandemic has brought on that in a in a much greater way and has added difficulties. Compassion fatigue, that's a thing? Compassion fatigue. Define that. So when you are caring for others and giving so much of yourself to others, whether you're the caretaker, a parent, um, a medical provider, a behavioral health provider, that takes an emotional toll on you. And the staff at Rosecrans um, live that day in and day out. So we have tried as an organization to be as flexible as possible with our workforce um, and have implemented a variety of resources and activities to help staff um, to continue um, their work in providing hope to our clients. I heard another phrase, uh, and Carly, maybe you've seen this one too, uh, decision fatigue, which is probably related. In fact, I think it was my wife who might have used it recently. She says, (laughs) I'm tired of making all of these decisions and having to make decisions in areas for which I don't feel entirely, uh, you know, qualified to make. Um, That's a thing too, I guess, huh? It, it definitely is a thing as being part of leadership. You know, we meet several times a week regarding the pandemic and have to make decisions um, with the best information that we have right at that moment. And as you spoke about, you know, sometimes the facts and the recommendations change minute to minute. Um, and then we are we are in a situation where we have over a thousand staff members waiting for us to make a decision and over 50,000 clients that we serve who are also waiting for those decisions. And so uh, I would say that anybody in leadership right now would agree with decision fatigue um, because they seem at times um, overwhelming or even really big and the impact of some of these decisions will really impact many lives. You know, if the focus of this particular podcast in our On Your Radar series is about young adults who are trying to find their footing, some of the things I think we've talked about apply, but some of them are maybe more specific to young adults, like getting a job, being new on a job, graduating from college, graduating from high school, making those transitions. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, Kristen, and and what are some of the challenges that young adults particularly have faced? I think the new grads in particular have a harder time entering the workforce because they've relied on internships a lot of the times to gain that experience. And some institutions and organizations haven't allowed interns. We paused on interns um, to not have 
um, another, you know, layer of, of people inside of the building during the pandemic. Um, we're starting to get back to some of that so that they can have that real life experience and have that preview um, before their before their graduation. Yeah. Before, and, and graduation. I think a lot of the milestones of youth um, or entry into work have, have just been put to the side. They've just been bypassed. And I don't know if those are really that important, you know? It's like you missed your prom or you, you didn't get an internship, but just go get a job anyway. You'll be fine. Um, you know, I wonder how important those little milestones are. I, I don't know what you think about that. When I reflect back on my childhood and growing up, it's important to me. So I can't imagine what it would be like for the students today, you know, yeah. and the young adults today to not have that. And Carlene, she said important, not fun. I mean, a lot of those things are fun milestones, but maybe we don't appreciate how significant or important they can be as well. You know, as somebody who really started out as an intern at Rosecrans, I think that there is professional development that takes place and self-awareness during an internship. If, if you know, we're talking about that, there's feedback that's given. There's uh, some things that are easy to understand and some things that aren't. And there's a certain piece about being an intern where you can ask questions. Um, a little bit differently than if you were employed. And so I do think that there's a piece of uh, professional and personal growth that takes place in some of these situations. And, you know, when you're a young person, you might not know that you're missing out on that. But looking back, I think that there will be a large piece of maturity um, with this next set of employees that we're going to have to just be aware of, especially when we're talking about, um, you know, clinicians or nurses or some of those frontline staff who maybe haven't seen a crisis the way that we have seen them or haven't seen some of the illness or behavioral health issues firsthand. I think that there is going to be a very large learning curve. And I could see how they'd feel like the rug was pulled out from underneath them. That is, okay, now I'm ready to go, I'm ready to start. And all of a sudden, that that structure, those norms are gone. And so now they're trying to do something for which either they don't feel qualified or personally maybe they just don't feel strong enough. You know, they're, they're suffering from anxieties and things that might make it difficult for them to either transition or advance in their early careers. Uh, I don't think I'm making this up. That probably is happening, right? I think in the behavioral health care field overall, it's there's a shortage. I mean, that's not a that's a fact. That's not a think. That is a fact. We have more positions than we do workers in the field, and our goal is to how, how to attract people to the field. Um, in the behavioral health care field, we have opportunities for all levels. Uh, from high school to GED to bachelor's or master's and really trying to make that transition um, into the workforce where someone can have a meaningful impact where they're at or well maybe they're in school because I think there's some students who are going to take longer to complete so maybe you can get some real life uh, work experience while working at our Lakeview campus or Harrison campus in Rockford while you're in school. And we have a variety of positions that have career advancement opportunities from direct client care roles to roles that support the organization in other ways. And our career path is very important to the organization. We encourage and support that growth. And I'm one of those success stories. Yeah. I wonder, too, if a young person would be aware enough to say to their boss or supervisor, you know what? Um, I'm going to be a good employee, but I don't feel like I'm tracking right now. Um, I don't have the support. I, I, I don't have the maturity or experience. Uh, I guess that's calling on a level of 
maturity, Carlene, that um, it might be difficult for some young or first employees to have, but maybe the employer should be receptive to that message if they get it. Say, listen, uh, we know the world's upside down. It's still upside down, damn it. And if this is hard for you, let us know, you know? You know, I think one of the things that we, you know, talk about often is how to lead with empathy different than what we've done in the past. You know, we all have metrics and KPIs and all of these goals that we want to meet, but we have to take into account the fact that we are dealing uh, with something that none of us have ever dealt with before Um, and being able to offer and talk about freely uh, mental health wellness and what does that mean for somebody's, you know, first job or somebody who's on the verge of retiring. Where is that gamut of educating people about what Kristen said, compassion fatigue, or educating somebody about what does anxiety feel like when you come to work? And how can we support you and get you the resources needed to make sure that that you feel prepared and healthy and Mm -hmm. well and and able to do your job? And you know what? If you can't, it's also us being understanding that they're facing something bigger than what we know and making sure that we still support them even if Rosecrans or behavioral health might not be the right fit for them right now. Uh, I guess that's that would be unfortunate, but I just know of situations of young employees and employers, and they're all just trying to keep their head above water. It would be another step for them to be as proactive as you just described, where they reach out to the employees and say, how are you doing? What can we do to help? I'll bet this is pretty tough right now. I mean, that's a, that's a level of HR. I don't think most businesses have or have the luxury of providing if if they even want to. I don't know what you think about that, Carlene. I mean, I think it takes a level of transparency that is really different. Um, you yeah. know, I have had different leadership roles and how I choose to lead right now is really different than what I did before. You know, before this podcast, I was just making phone calls to some nurses to say, hey, how's it going? Um, because I'm concerned. And so I think there's that piece of human uh, that we have to show, and I think you're right. I think it's really different um, for us to be transparent and to also acknowledge, you know, in my role, it's hard. (laughs) I I have very hard days sometimes, and I want to feel supported, and so I have to remind myself to do the same for the people that I supervise. Do human resource supervisors across the country get this? Are are they being told by the experts of the world, I guess, like people at Rosecrans, to do what Carlene just said? We know as HR professionals that we have to support our workforce in new and different ways today than ever before. Um, There's a great realignment in the workplace as far as how employees expect um, the employer to provide that culture. And it's up to the employer to meet that. And I think the ones that do a great job with it will be the ones that prevail. What are some things to look for then? I wonder what the symptoms are or signals that they throw off. The employees, the ones that need help. Struggling employees. You could see um, you know, something as simple as maybe an attendance issue or maybe a high performer that is now having struggles. Um, at Rosecrans, we use what's called monthly check-ins with our team members. So the supervisor will sit with the staff that they supervise each month and have a conversation with them about their goals, their priorities. Do they have any needs, um, You know, any questions? And that is a great time to really connect with the staff on a one-on-one basis. And if there's a need for support at that point, our leaders are empowered to connect the employee with the human resources team 
or our employee assistance program, the EAP, um, to provide that supportive counseling because we know our jobs are hard. I think once upon a time that felt like a waste of time. Maybe not now, huh? It's not a waste of time. That has been ingrained in our culture um, since the day I started at Rosecrans. I was always impressed with that. You know, past jobs didn't do that, didn't take the time to do that. Well, I've been to meetings where we're, I, I don't know exactly what we're doing, but it's a, it's a lot of superfluous chit-chat, and it's not productive relative to what we're trying to do at the station. And it's not even that meaningful to me personally, but people are just talking and Carlene, I get exhausted by that. I, I, that's my reaction. That's my reaction. What do you? What's your reaction to my reaction, Carlene? Well, I mean, I think it's it's real. Uh, you know, John, I would say that I think many of us sit in meetings where you might walk away and be like, oh, we just had a meeting just to say we had a meeting. Um, I think you know, our goal is to just be intentional, and I think that should be everyone's goal right now during this time is when you are meeting with somebody or you see a change in behavior with a staff member. Maybe they're shying away from responsibility or there are people like me who then look for more responsibility just because ah, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to stay extra busy. I think any time we see a change in a behavior that we um, as leaders right now really need to address that and see if there's something that's going on, if there's something that we can be supportive of. And like you said, you know, become comfortable with being intentional with our words and not not wasting that time and beating around that bush and having a meeting just to have a meeting, but be able to say, hey, I noticed that you did this and previously you never did that. You know, can I assist in some way? Is there something going on? And at least open that door because, you know, the first time somebody asked me if I'm okay, my first response is yes. I am. But, you know, if you ask me again and again, you know, I'm more likely to break down that barrier and be a little bit more honest about where a struggle could be. And so I think that's what we're hoping um, employees and leaders take away from this is to open that door of conversation, identify if somebody's work ethic, attitude, behavior, emotion seems different than what they were before. Um, and take the chance to ask them if they need some help. I imagine that at Rosecrans, like at a radio station, we all tend to be congregated around the same place. There's remote working, I guess, for all of us. But um, for some businesses, it's probably difficult. At the beginning of this, I said, okay, say you're an Amazon driver. You're now a frontline worker. I don't know that you're, you know, in a in a setting at work where everybody's hanging around and somebody knocks on your door and say, hi, how it's going. So I wonder how difficult it is for some of those workers and how difficult it is for them to, you know, be honest with the supervisor or even get some sort of outreach, you know? Mm-hmm. For our employees that work remotely, um, whether temporarily or designed by their job, you know, we have some ongoing work from home positions. Um, there is scheduled touch bases with the leader so that way they can still stay connected. We use our technology Um, We have like an instant messenger system. We have video chatting so that they can still stay connected to the team. And some teams have developed um, kind of more social opportunities, I would say, for interaction virtually Um, during the pandemic. um, They've had team hangouts. Um, The HR team in particular will sit every other week and, you know, chat about, you know, a success or maybe, you know, something that we're celebrating just to kind of have that nice work-life balance within the team. I'm thinking of that driver. Maybe that person's supervisor um, once every couple of weeks does a video chat with them or a phone call and just 
specifically ask them, how are you feeling going door to door, dropping packages, meeting people? Some people are angry. You're putting up with a little hostility from people. Or maybe you're anxious about going into some buildings and settings. So how is that for you? <laughs> I wonder if those calls happen, Carlene. I wonder if if that's actually happening out there. Right. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, I would like to say that when we are in behavioral health, we're a little bit more comfortable talking about feelings, but yeah. I can tell you that even in our settings, people will say, how's it going? And we all sit silent for a few minutes, waiting to see if someone's going to take the chance and really say how it's going. Um, and so I can't imagine uh, what that could feel like if that's, you know, not in the behavioral health field, and your boss is not usually asking you if you're feeling anxious. Um, and so I do think it would, I think it will feel weird. Um, you know, there are trainings out there like mental health first aid. Uh, I know that HR has trainings as well about how to educate people just on how to start the conversation and what, what it could look like so that you know how to address it. And I think that would really be part of a starting spot for some leadership teams or organizations who are like, man, we don't know how to do this, um, is to take some of those uh, shorter trainings and and learn how to even ask that question. Um, And then also lead by example. And, you know, that's hard to tell some people that you're struggling as well. But I think when a leader is willing to say, hey, you have to feel anxious because yesterday when I did that, I felt super uncomfortable. I think that opens the door. Um, for an employee or a team to start to be honest about some of those things and realize that we're all a team and we're in this together and their feelings are are probably really likely to what my feelings are. Um, And so I agree with you. I I think it's kind of strange to start out with, but, you know, we're two years into this now, so I'm hoping that we're a little bit more comfortable um, having some of those conversations. And wherever this pandemic takes us, because you're right, it's been a number of places, at some point we're going to be more comfortable in congregate settings. And as we continue to transition to that, it seems like right when we got our foot in the door, we take it back out again. But I wonder what some of the challenges are going to be there. You know, how 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 do we accommodate um, young workers and accommodate people who were remote and are now trying to come back in? What are your thoughts about that? Flexibility is going to be one of the most important considerations for employers moving forward. As a behavioral health care organization with most of its workforce in direct care or on-site support roles, we've enhanced a lot of our policies um, to allow greater flexibility where possible um, and added new options for staff to fit work into their lives. So the workforce is going to continue to look for more flexibility, whether that's with their schedule, with job sharing, maybe transitioning temporarily, and the employer will have to be able to meet that. What are some ideas to getting back into work and and finding structure again? I think some of it would be to identify where do you feel the increase in anxiety or fear? Is it the distance from somebody else? Is it the fear that you haven't had uh, the contact with your supervisor? Is it the fear of bringing it home? Some of it is about identifying where that fear or anxiety is and then being able to put a plan in place for some of those areas. You know, for us, if it's a fear of space, then being able to make sure that we have a six-foot distance or you're in a room that has good ventilation. Um, and then if it's just about a fear of being back around people, how do you ease yourself into some of those situations? Do you have a mentor that you can speak to? Do you have a best friend that you can talk to about it? 
how do you start to get yourself out of isolation in baby steps? Because you're not going to go from working from home and your sweat's not seeing anybody to jumping to a corporate life and think that there's not going to be some bumps in the road. And so for us, it would be about identifying fear and anxiety and then putting in some steps to start to feel more comfortable with that. And also knowing yourself and acknowledging this is overwhelming um, and I might need to back off. I might need to look for something else. I might need to go part-time. I might need to make some decisions that maybe you weren't prepared for. I was thinking that maybe you or the boss should modify expectations, but maybe you don't want to say that because there goes your career or your promotion or they're going to judge you as not being sufficiently ambitious, you know? I think some of that goes to, you know, our previous uh, comments about how well is that supervisor also making sure that they have those conversations. You know, as Kristen stated, we have done part-time. We've done reduced hours. We've done work from home. We've done a rotation of easing people into back into the office. Like this week, I'm here one day a week. Next week, it's two days a week. Um, so some of it has to become a two-way conversation. Um, there are people who are ready to get out of work from home. They're like, gosh darn it, get me around people. I'm sick of sitting and looking at my dog every day. Yeah. Um, and so I think some of that really depends on um, the employers and the employees' ability to have these conversations and really be honest about what options do you have. Um, for us at Rosecrans, we have some positions that could easily ease into an office. Running 24-hour residential care, I've had to have people work every single day throughout an entire pandemic in person. And so that option of working from home if you're an inpatient nurse is not an option. Um, and so I think there comes a certain piece where you just have also have to be real honest about what are the accommodations that you can make um, for some people. And, you know, a lot of the things, though, that both the two of you are saying to me um, seem to me to be really good advice to the employers, uh, but mostly we're employees. So I think we need to find a way to communicate that or uh, don't expect lucky you if you work for rosecrans but if you don't um you're going to have to find a way to execute some of these changes or communicate the need on your own right it's going to have to come from the bottom up don't you think i do and and staff should be empowered to utilize the resources that they have at their disposal whether that's their health insurance program their employee assistance program that their employer has for them, maybe a wellness program. There's a variety of tools that are available and, and also some applications like um, the Breathe app or Calm or, you know, something like that. Do you like that you those? could I, I do. I use Calm. Um, I don't use it every day, but it's one of those things that I can always come back to and um, remind myself that, you know, our jobs are stressful, our work is stressful, but there's a reason why we do what we do. That's an app that guides you through uh, breathing or, or, or a little serenity, right? And I suppose uh, with or without a, a device, I could try and do something like that. Do you think that's really a good idea to carve some time out each day for something like that? I think Carlene is the expert on mindfulness, so I will defer to her on that, but I find value in that personally. Carlene? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I mean, there is so much research behind taking the few minutes, and, you know, I'm showing my hand. I know nobody can see it, but whether you have a Fitbit that has a built-in breathing exercise or you have the, the app on your phone, there is value in taking a few deep breaths. There is value for turning on a meditation. Um, all the all research uh, shows that that is something that that helps you. 
Um, you know, I know that you said for employees, what else is there to do? You know, there is there is a lot of self-care um, that people can do even at their homes, whether that be for some people, it is, you know, crosswords and coloring and games. And for other people, it's walking your dog or listening to music or painting your nails or aromatherapy. There is ways in which um, we would encourage people to take care of themselves and, and do what makes them feel healthy. Um, and that would be a benefit for any employer to allow the staff to do something like that. Do the two of you think to the people who don't subscribe to that because they've just never even thought about it, that they might not realize how off kilter they are, how much benefit they would receive if, lo and behold, they would try it? Maybe they would say, hey, I feel a lot better and I don't know, didn't know that I felt bad. You know, I, I suppose they might have a little epiphany if they tried something like this. Perhaps. I would encourage them to start small, do something that they find as fun. I, When I'm connecting with a staff member, I always ask, like, what do you do for fun? Let's focus on that. And, you know, sometimes it's playing with their dog or spending time with their ch- their children. And um, you can really focus in on them and support them in that work-life balance if you just listen a little bit. Ask a question and listen. Well, I, I, you know, we've been trying to talk a little bit about structure because I think we've just been all so upset over the last couple of years. And as we go back to these more structured environments, maybe family and your dog and your books or movies or things that have been there all along. I mean, that that is a kind of structure, isn't it? Focus on that. I mean, there's probably, um, I don't know if that's going to help you at your job per se, but if it helps you with your mental health, then I suppose um, it does help you with your job, Carlene. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there is a certain amount of security that comes with a routine. Um, and right now, I think we all know that, you know, it's, as we've said, it's the life that we know is changing every day. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to wake up at the same time, or that doesn't mean that you don't do, if you do meditation, do meditation. If you walk your dog, you know, to make sure that you're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there is a certain amount of routine that we can instill in our daily lives that just make us feel safe um, in a world that is ever-changing. And I think that's that is something that everybody around somebody, their employer, their family, their loved ones, would benefit from all of us feeling safe and creating a structure uh, that makes us feel better. And I guess we all know that. I mean, that's that's how you raise a good kid, right? You tell them, here's when we're going to bed, mm-hmm. and here's what we're eating for dinner, and you don't get to be the decider. Uh, as human beings, we probably thrive on a little bit of structure in our lives. We want to be independent and creative, but you kind of have a need to have some sort of framework. And, Carlene, it sounds like you're saying that's on you as the individual to find or attain that. It is. I mean, we can always give suggestions, you know, but what I might find uh, something that creates safety for me, somebody else might think is really restrictive. And that's why I think it's always good to give people examples of what safety looks like or what structure looks like and then help somebody create that in their own life. It's always a joke. You know, I'm early to bed, but I'm up at some crazy early time every morning. I like that. That is what's best for me. I can promise you that other people in my life would not pick getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, and so I always give examples of how uh, structure could look and the benefit of it and then give people the freedom to create that in, in their life. That's Carlene Cardozzi. She is the regional president for Rosecrans. Any last thought from you, Kristen? You're the uh, HR person over at Rosecrans about structure and how that kind of helps us get through these different times. 
I think structure does help us get through the time so that staff know what to expect. So if they know what our promise is as an organization to them as the employee, that sets them at ease. And then as an employer, we need to continue to be more flexible to meet the needs of our workforce. Because without without our employees, we have we have nothing and we cannot provide the hope to the clients that we that we do through our mission. I suppose that's true for everybody, the drivers and the teachers and the doctors and nurses and employees of all stripes out there. Kristen Hamblock is the Vice President of Human Resources at Rosecrans, and Carlene Cardozi is the Regional President at Rosecrans. Ladies, thanks for your time. Thanks for your thoughts and expertise. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. This is On Your Radar, the new normal. A podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Go to rosecrans.org or call 866-830-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting.